But authenticity really is honoring commitments, keeping our promises, honoring those who do so, and also expressing ourselves in the right place at the right time, in the right degree, and to the right person. And it's so powerful because when we do that, we have this fantastic opportunity to communicate to people in in the way that we would say, the words that we would use are, that we're perceived as being genuine. Welcome to the EI Sunday Supplement. The mini-series is designed to offer employees and leaders new tools and tactics to improve how we connect and collaborate with colleagues. This series is created by the HR Gazette in partnership with Genos North America, a world leader in emotional intelligence assessments and training designed specifically for business environments. Hello, this is Bill Bannum and Debbie Muno back for another episode of the fabulous Sunday supplement focused on EI. Hey, Debbie, lovely to have you back again. Hi, Bill. Thanks for having me back. I'm excited. So this is episode three, Debbie, already. What? Where did the time go? What's going on? Uh, and today we are focused on authenticity. So that's my first question for you, really. What, what does it mean to be authentic? And um, what, what do you, how do you define authenticity? Authenticity really is um, honoring commitments, keeping our promises, honoring those who do so, and also uh, expressing ourselves in the right place at the right time, in the right degree, and to the right person. And it's so powerful because when we do that, we have this fantastic opportunity to communicate to people in in the way that we would say, the words that we would use are, that we're perceived as being genuine. You can also look at that as being trustworthy. Uh, Whereas if we're not demonstrating high degrees of authenticity, we're often described as being untrustworthy. And in saying those words, I, I don't know if you feel this or if your listeners feel this, but I certainly feel this, that trust is the foundation of every single relationship, whether that's a colleague relationship or a relationship with a direct report or with a peer or with uh, your your one-up leader or your five-up leaders or your partner or your kids or your neighbors or your community members. And so for me, this is one of those competencies that um, I think in in perhaps other elements of emotional intelligence gets overlooked, but in in our model, it certainly does not. It, it's standing right there at the forefront. Thanks for tuning in to the HR Chat Podcast. If you're enjoying this episode, we'd really appreciate it if you could subscribe and leave a five-star review on your podcast platform of choice. And now, back to the conversation. And you mentioned there in your answer, Debbie, that it's uh, partly about showing up in the right ways. So just just on that note, can you can you show up in the wrong ways as long as you're being authentic? What I mean by that is, is, is it all about being yourself, be, being genuine? If you're in a bad mood, for example, and you show that, but you're being authentic, that's OK because you're being authentic. It, it, am I making sense? Yeah, it's a really wonderful question because um, it kind of puts together this notion of the tapestry of emotional intelligence. And so let's talk about being in a bad mood. Let's say that um, something challenging happened in the morning or you have a family member who's ill 
And that's really weighing on you. And that does certainly influence, as we know, the way we feel influences everything, everything we say, all of our decisions, our behavior, our tonality, the, the words we choose. Uh, if you've ever gotten an email in all caps or a text in all caps, you know, that's, that's a communicative device. And so here's where we can see the coupling uh, of emotional intelligence competencies. Um, if we are in a bad mood, there's behaving in a way that's um, operating in a less than emotionally intelligent way of the bad mood, where there's the recognition and the acknowledgement and the discussion of why we feel the way we feel. So here's an example. Uh, if you have a family member who's really struggling with an illness, that can certainly put someone in a difficult mood um, before they step into any conversation. That could be an angry mood, that can be a sad mood, that can be a really challenging mood. And so the emotionally intelligent way to address that from an authenticity standpoint is to share that. If you and I were working together and I said to you, Bill, I'm just really struggling today. I have a family member who's really ill. We just got some bad news. I'm back and forth between being really saddened by it and being really frustrated by it. And, and so I just, it's, it's kind of weighing on me and I just wanted to share that with you. That's being incredibly authentic while being incredibly emotionally intelligent. That's genuine. You now know why my face or my countenance looks the way it does. You now know why I might not be as chipper getting my morning coffee as I typically am. And you have no preconceived notion or assumption that I'm angry with you or at you or with something at work. So it doesn't mean that we pack away how we're feeling. What it does mean is that we express those feelings in the right way, in the right place, at the right time, and to the right degree, so people understand where we're coming from. And, and I guess there's a kind of a, there's a parenthetical phrase that I feel like wants to come after that, because when we do that, if you and I were in a real situation and we had had that discussion, that's also a reminder of self-awareness for me, since we've talked about self-awareness in episode one. And in episode two, we talked about awareness of others. This is a reminder of me that while I have this feeling, I have to recognize it. I have to be as productive with it as I can be. And I have to be aware that you and I, or myself and the rest of the team, still have to be productive and go on. And authentically expressing those things enables us to do that. Okay, so I, I don't wanna diverge too much because we do have set questions and we have, we have short amount of time for these episodes. However, just one follow-up to my follow-up, I guess, is, is part of what you're saying there around being authentic is, is that also perhaps not always but often giving context i will use a phrase that dr ben palmer our founder and ceo um, uses frequently uh, to respond to your question and that is the demonstration of emotional intelligence is relentlessly contextual relentlessly contextual it changes bill from moment to moment from email to email from meeting to meeting uh, from text to text and this is really why emotional intelligence is so important because as humans we interact with each other and we experience thousands of thoughts every day and all of them have emotions attached to them so this notion of contextuality this is why self-awareness why we started in episode one with self-awareness right how am i feeling in this moment and how is that influencing what i'm about to say or do or how i'm about to interact with bill and what i'm about to say with him or share with him 
is relentlessly contextual, yet crucial to do so because think about our competency here of authenticity by not doing so, the unproductive side of this competency is untrustworthiness. None of us want to be creating environments of untrustworthiness around our relationships at work, nor at home, nor in our community. So yes, paying attention to the context and what we do in that context is really crucial. Okay, thank you very much. Um, okay, so let's carry that forward, Debbie. Why is, it's, it's almost a question I feel like we shouldn't ask because it, it, I would hope it's obvious, but uh, why is it important to be authentic at work? And maybe as part of that, what, why does it matter to employees, leaders, and HR pros? And I'd love perhaps if you could, as part of your answer there, give some reflection to the last few very difficult years, the pandemic years, and how I believe personally that that helped us show the importance of being authentic. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, probably the, the biggest asks of our organization over the last three years really was revolving around authenticity, empathy, and resilience. And I think that, again, coming back to the tapestry of these competencies of emotional intelligence, empathy without authenticity is not received as empathy. And so um, this is so important and so crucial. We've talked about sharing perhaps if something difficult is going on. Let's kind of also look at the opposite. If you've ever thought of an environment where a sense of false harmony was crafted, where what was being said was everything is okay, but underneath that, we know that nothing is okay. Well, what that creates, especially if leaders are doing that with their teams, that is a surefire way to create distrust because uh, someone can't trust what the other one's words are communicating. And you and I, throughout the course of the series, have talked a bit about it's not just what we say, it's how we say it. And this competency of authenticity, this expression of how we're feeling allows us to avoid things like false harmony, allows us to express difficult feelings or displeasure with something in a way that's productive. Just as much, Bill, as on the other side, if you're being congratulated for something or something is being celebrated, that also has to be authentic. When you, when you get that kind of feedback, if that's perceived by our amygdala as being inauthentic, um, then it can actually cause more harm than good when it's said. So authenticity really has this um, foundational piece in every interaction and in every relationship. And hence, that makes it extremely crucial when we're talking about the workplace, because all of us gather in this work environment for the goals and the common elements that we need to work on together. None of us can do any of that on our own. We, we need each other to make work happen. And um, if we need each other, we should be um, providing the best versions of ourselves for each other because it's like horsepower. One horse will pull one horsepower, but two horses will pull four horsepower. If we are operating authentically with one another, like that horsepower. We can trust what each other says, we understand where people are coming from, and we can pick up the slack or provide more support where we need it because of that authentic communication. Okay, uh, let's challenge you now in one minute or less, Debbie. Uh, how can leaders uh, 
show authenticity in the uh, office? Uh, really communicating exactly what's happening and how they feel about what's happening in an emotionally intelligent way. And so you asked me the question previously about the last three years, and I think this kind of sort of ties into this less than one minute response. Um, leaders who reached out and connected with their teams, showing concern and empathy for how their team members were doing during the pandemic, understanding the challenges that work from home or remotely remote work was having on their ability to work or when they were able to work, having leaders who authentically communicated, hey, I understand that it works better for you to be able to work from 7 p.m. to 2 a.m. Can you just make sure that you get this project done or you're available from 10 to 12 because the rest of the team will be needing? And it's really important to me that you join that meeting. Those types of authentic communication efforts that, that happened over the last couple of years really enabled leaders to retain their teams and teams to feel valued and appreciated and heard because they felt that their organization and their leader was authentically understanding the challenges, but really empathetically working with them for the common good of getting the work done. This is a huge competency for leaders to express and not, by the way, just in a remote situation. Um, this is all day, every day, expressing exactly how we feel to the right degree in the right place at the right time um, breeds that trustworthiness. And when leaders are trusted by their teams, teams tend to retain in those positions and bring the best versions of themselves to the workplace every day, wherever that workplace may be. And by the way, from the conversations that I have on the HR chat show, it's it's not an easy thing to do for leaders. There's this, this uh, change, the sea change in, in the way that leaders need to present themselves and, and bring themselves to, to the workforce. Uh, they're still struggling with it, but that's a conversation for another time, I think. Um, okay, maybe you can share a story now about um, an unproductive state of authenticity, so um, um, being untrustworthy, untrustworthiness, uh, and also a productive side of authenticity, so being genuine, and do so in two minutes or less. Absolutely. Let's take something I think that occurs frequently, and that is something like a merger or an acquisition. This is an environment in which uncertainty is just bound to be everywhere. And our very human brains absolutely detest uncertainty. In the absence of information, our human brains will fill in those gaps and they will fill them in with the worst possible scenario. This is just how our human brains work. So this is an opportunity for leaders to really step into this authentic communication. Um, I'm using this example also, by the way, because frequently leaders have more knowledge than their teams might have, but they're likely bound by matters of confidentiality regarding a merger and acquisition. And so addressing that and putting that on the table can be one of the most powerful, authentic movements and communication styles that a leader can have. When a leader says, yes, we are undergoing some massive change, Please understand that there are elements of this that I am bound, that I cannot talk to you about. But here are the things that I can tell you. Here are the things that you can count on. And here are the things that I don't know about, but I'm seeking to find for you. That's authentic communication. 
that will drive trust between that team and that leader. The acknowledgement that that leader can't share some of the things that they do know, and the acknowledgement that they don't know all of the elements, but what they can learn and can share, they will do so. The other side of that, the untrustworthy side, would be a leader who makes the choice to simply not at all acknowledge that there's change happening. To act as if everything is the same, even though the rumor mill has been swirling. That creates untrustworthiness, that drives uncertainty. And once we've driven that uncertainty and that untrustworthiness, it's very hard to bring that back. Um, as you know, Bill, all of us kind of in, in our everyday language talk about trust taking a lifetime to earn and a millisecond to, to break. And I think that that's really something uh, leaders can keep in mind. Everybody, not just leaders, can keep in mind when communicating. We always want to be earning that trust. And one of the ways that we can do that is by our authentic communication. Yeah, and just to add to your last point there, um, it's not a case that you earn the trust and then you've got the trust. I, I think it's, it's something you've got to work on all the time. You've got to keep showing up and showing that you're, you're being authentic and putting that context in there. Would you agree? Absolutely. It's not earned. It's earning. Always earning that trust. Always earning. Always working toward that. Okay. Now then, it's that time of the interview, that time of the episode where we have our fun facts of the show, Debbie. Uh, yes. What's your fact of the day? Share it with our listeners, please. I'm going to share with you our fun fact for the day. And so pardon my eyes diverting because I want to make sure that I get it exactly right. Organizations that value and widely use emotional intelligence are 3.2 times more effective at leadership development. 3.2 times more effective at leadership development. I love that fun fact because it speaks to the competencies, it speaks to that tapestry of those competencies weaving together. And something that you mentioned um, a bit earlier, Bill, and that is this ability to be agile. I think if the last two years have taught us nothing, it's certainly taught us we need to be agile. We cannot be rooted. So to the point about earning trust, which is an ongoing element, we also have to constantly be able to be agile. And organizations that do that are uh, far more productive at leadership development. And as you know, the more effective our leaders are, the more effective their teams are. That drives productivity, innovation, creativity, profitability, connection, collaboration, and the ultimate in employee engagement. So thanks for letting me share that fun fact. Rock and roll. And by the way, listeners, uh, th these these fun facts that Debbie has for you each week, um, they are from this amazing cheat sheet that we found. And, and it's a it's a big uh, amalgamation of very, very reputable sources. And I'm sure we'll share the links to some of those in the show notes so you can read more for yourself. Debbie, before we wrap up this particular week's episode, how can our listeners connect with and learn more about you and about Genos North America? Thanks so much, Bill. Hey, um, pop onto LinkedIn. You can go to the Genos, G-E-N-O-S, North America LinkedIn page, or you can come to my LinkedIn page, uh, Debbie Muno, M-U-N-O. Pop onto our website, genosnorthamerica.com. And from there, you can certainly um, peruse a ton of information about emotional intelligence. Join any one of our upcoming emotional intelligence informational webinars, or send me an email and we can happily pop into a chat. Thanks, Bill. And thank you, Debbie. And that's it for this week. And we'll catch you again next Sunday. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. 
Thanks for listening to the EI Sunday Supplement. Check out more episodes from the HR Gazette at hrgazette.com or through your podcast platform of choice.